A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. If that line sounds a little bit familiar, uh, it is from the beloved Christmas song, O Holy Night. Uh, The line captures the the joy of Jesus' birth and the idea that people everywhere can hope in God's promised presence and salvation. It also suggests that the thrill of hope comes in the context of a hurting world and that joy is welcomed in the midst of our weariness. And that's what we've been exploring together this Advent season. How exactly does a weary world rejoice? When we experience pain and exhaustion and and fear and worry and grief, is it okay to experience and hold joy close to? This season can be a time of of awkward and and holy tension when we, we feel and we hold many different feelings and emotions all at once. And... And the God who came to be with us and to save us in Jesus Christ is actually the one who holds it all together and us tenderly and with care. And so we've looked at the intertwined stories of the birth of Jesus and the birth of John the Baptist and have gradually answered the question, how does a weary world rejoice? In the first week, we talked about acknowledging our weariness. Last week, we talked about finding joy in connection. Today, a weary world rejoices when we allow ourselves to be amazed. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and might bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Two scripture readings this morning. The first is from Psalm 126, and then the next from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. Hear these words from Psalm 126. When the Lord changed Zion's circumstances for the better, it was like we had been dreaming. Our mouths were suddenly filled with laughter. Our tongues were filled with joyful shouts. It was even said at that time among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are overjoyed. Lord, change our circumstances for the better, like dry streams in the desert waste. Let those who plant with tears reap the harvest with joyful shouts. Let those who go out crying and carrying their seed come home with joyful shouts, carrying bales of grain. And then from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. On the eighth day, it came time to circumcise the child. They wanted to name him Zechariah because this was his father's name. But his mother replied, no, his name will be John. They said to her, none of your relatives have that name. Then they began gesturing to his father to see what he wanted to call him. After asking for a tablet, he surprised everyone by writing, his name is John. 
At that moment, Zechariah was able to speak again and he began praising God. All their neighbors were filled with awe and everyone throughout the Judean highlands talked about what had happened. All who heard about this considered it carefully. They said, what then will this child be? Indeed, the Lord's power was with him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sometimes you never know what kinds of things will amaze you if you let them. On Wednesday of this week, I got to my office early and was sitting at my desk doing my my morning devotion. And um, I looked up from Scripture and looked out my office window for a moment. The sun was was coming up through the the leafless trees, and I could see different hues of orange in, in the clouds. And then my eyes trained on some tiny droplets of water, stubbornly and beautifully clinging to the power line connected to the building, all in a row, like a string of pearls. They were glistening, and I couldn't stop staring in awe at how they didn't just drip off. And it was a moment of amazement. It was a a transcendent moment of, of, of simple joy. And yet, worship, because I suddenly felt drawn to God's presence. And then I thought, why can't I have more of these kinds of moments? Why don't we have more of these kinds of moments? Do I allow myself to be amazed as much as I allow myself to strive? or be frustrated, or disappointed, or discontented? If we're really honest with ourselves, I think most of us would would say we wish we would allow ourselves to be amazed more often. It's like our ability to be amazed to experience all has been dulled somehow over time, like the river of life slowly wearing our amazement faculties down. It's not something we've done on purpose. It's more like a slow drift. There's a a farmer's tale about how cows end up lost or in the middle of the road. A cow is nibbling a tuft of grass in the middle of a field, moving from, from one tuft to the next. And before you know it, the cow ends up eating some grass right next to the fence. And then noticing a nice clump of green on the other side of the fence, the cow manages to to stumble through an old tear in the fence and then finds himself outside the fence and then on the road. You see, cows don't intend to get lost, farmer says. They just nibble their way to lostness. There's some wisdom in that. I wonder if it's the same with us in amazement. We don't intend to lose our ability to be amazed We just gradually nibble our way to dullness and disenchantment. Now, there are some things in in our world and in our lives that make it harder for us to be amazed, like our pace, our busyness, uh, the pressure to perform or be productive or to do uh, and experience things faster and bigger and better. Technology, social media, the virtual world all thrive on Super sensational images and videos and content, right? 
to, to, to generate views and likes and shares, all the while numbing our ability to be captivated by the real world. We have lost our sense of astonishment, and we're so overstimulated that the things that should invoke amazement are reduced to ordinary eh, moments. Maybe even the good news of Jesus becomes just okay news. But as we see in our Scripture passage this morning, and frankly all throughout Scripture, amazement, giving in to awe and wonder, is a precursor to joy. Allowing ourselves to be amazed paves the way of joy and worship even when we are weary or weighed down. There is great rejoicing with Elizabeth at the birth of her son. Remember, she had been keeping her pregnancy a secret. Neighbors and relatives must have been astonished then and amazed seeing her hold her own baby in the midst of her old age. The text says they celebrated with her because they had heard the Lord had shown her great mercy. They're amazed that an older woman with a history of infertility has a baby boy and their amazement leads to joy and to and to celebration at the ultimate cause of it all, God. But the amazement sparks celebration goes on pause for a moment when those same people rejoicing with Elizabeth learned the boy would not be named Zechariah, but John instead. In other words, it didn't line up with their expectations or the traditions of the day. Instead of just believing Elizabeth, the neighbors and the relatives gestured to Zechariah to see what, would, what he would call the child. And in this really profound and dramatic moment, Zechariah takes a tablet and he writes on it, his name is John. And in that moment, Zechariah is able to speak again. His lips are unlocked and he begins praising God. What was it? What was it about that moment that allowed him to speak again? It's the fulfillment of what the angel had said. When Zechariah names his boy John, Zechariah does what he did not do in that first encounter with the angel in the temple. He gives in to amazement at what God is doing. He gives in to the amazement of what God is was doing. Remember the angel in the temple had said, hey, hey, Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth will give birth to a son and you must name him John and he will be a joy and a delight to you and, and many people will rejoice at his birth. And Zechariah is unable to give in to the joy and delight of this promise. He has a hard time accepting it as true. And the angel says, What I have spoken will come true at the proper time, but because you didn't believe, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day when these things happen. These things happen. Well, these things are happening now, right? Elizabeth has given birth. Check. People are rejoicing at this birth. Check. Now Zechariah names him. Check. And in so doing, does something that tangibly shows that he has finally given into, abandoned, accepted the amazing power and presence of God. By naming him John, he is saying, yes, this is a thing 
Yes, he truly is a joy and delight. He's saying, oh my goodness, I'm getting to name my son, which I thought I would never have. And the angel said, I would. And now he's here and it's amazing and God's amazing. And so his lips are unlocked. And he is able to speak and what comes out is pure joy and praise. Amazed at his son. Amazed that he can speak again. Joy and praise, all directed to God. And then because, as we learned last week, joy is contagious, right? The relatives and neighbors are, are amazed all over again and, and filled with awe, and everyone spreads this joyful news all throughout the, the Judean hills. Once again, amazement leading to joy. How does a weary world rejoice? We allow ourselves to be amazed. It's clear throughout this whole narrative that joy is never something that is coerced. It can't be. And when people and when we feel amazement, when we're caught up with all, joy is sparked. It's like amazement is the precursor to joy. Some of us may be recently amazed by the birth of a child, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Some of us not, but wonder is all around us. Goodness is all around us. Beauty and grace all around us because God is all around us. Can we see? Can we live in such a way that allows for amazement and wonder even when we're weary? If if joy feels far away, lost, out of reach, we may need to follow Zechariah's lead and give in to amazement. We may have to to take note of and take in the wonders in each day, amazing things that we can far too easily ignore. An amazing promise or story in Scripture, a beautiful song at just the right time, a sweet interaction between Children, a carefully crafted bird's nest in the tree, a swirl of of clouds in the evening sunlight, water glistening and refusing to fall off a power line, a good and gracious act witnessed between two people, a surprising gesture of kindness. How about a Savior born in a manger? Give in to amazement. Because those things take us out of ourselves and lead us toward a God who is with us and who shows up and who shows off in extravagantly ordinary ways. Therapist and mindfulness teacher Sharon Salzberg says that all is the absence of self-preoccupation. All is the absence of self-preoccupation. Maybe that means that amazement is the presence of God-preoccupation. Amazement is the presence of God preoccupation. Amazement unlocks our lips to be able to praise God like Zechariah, to sow in tears but to reap in joy, as Psalm 126 says. It's a psalm that expresses amazement even after tears of disappointment and weariness have been shed. Hear these words again. When the Lord changed Zion's circumstances for the better, it was like we had been dreaming. You hear the amazement there? Our mouths were suddenly filled with laughter. Our tongues were filled with joyful shouts. 
It was even said at that time among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us and we are overjoyed through the amazement leading to joy. Lord, change our circumstances for the better. Let like dry streams in the desert waste, let those who plant with tears reap the harvest with joyful shouts. You see, for those referenced in the psalm, allowing themselves to be amazed by what God has done before sparks a joy to carry them through a time when they need God to change their circumstances again. A weary world rejoices when we allow ourselves to be amazed. A couple of months ago, I finished reading C.S. Lewis's classic work, The Chronicles of Narnia, Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe, my oldest If you've never read it, it's about four children who stumble into a world of enchantment through a wardrobe in a professor's house in the country. Without telling you the whole story, Aslan, the lion and true king of Narnia, has come back to the land to set things right uh, in Narnia, which has been ruled by an evil white witch who has made the land winter but never Christmas. And in a Christ-like act of love, Aslan gives himself up and is killed by the white witch going to the place to mourn his death, the two girls, Susan and Lucy, are quite surprised when the sun rises and Aslan is nowhere to be found. His body's not there. And then they see him alive, back from death, and Aslan says, and now, oh yes, now, said Lucy, jumping up and clapping her hands, I feel my strength coming back to me. Old children, catch me if you can. He stood for a second, his eyes very bright, his limbs quivering, lashing himself with his tail. Then he made a leap high over their heads and landed on the other side of the table. Laughing, though she didn't know why, Lucy scrambled over it to reach him. Aslan leaped again, and a mad chase began. Round and round the hilltop he led them, now hopelessly out of their reach, now letting them almost catch his tail, now diving in between them, now tossing them in the air with his huge and beautifully velveted paws and catching them again and now stopping unexpectedly so that all three of them rolled over together in a happy laughing heap of fur and arms and legs. It was such a romp as no one has ever had except in Narnia. And whether it was more like playing with a thunderstorm or playing with a kitten, Lucy could never make up her mind. And the funny thing was, when all three finally lay together panting in the sun, the girls no longer felt in the least tired or hungry or thirsty. And now, said Aslan presently, to business, I feel I am going to roar. You had better put your fingers in your ears. I don't know about you, but that's the posture I want to have in the midst of a weary world. To be amazed and to take such a rump as no one has ever seen to just give in to the moments that that come and surprise us with their goodness and their beauty, to be in awe of something ordinary or spectacular or something in between, to be in awe so that I can't tell if it feels like I'm playing with a thunderstorm or a kitten, to notice and be in awe of things so that tears sown in weariness have the chance to be harvested in joy so that the wood of life dampened by weariness can yet be sparked and fanned into flame. 
Because when amazing things happen and we give in, we find a way to rejoice with and for the God who is with us. So let us give in to wonder, give in to God, allow ourselves to be amazed this season. It may just be a way a weary world rejoices. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.